Need a break? Relax. Grab a coffee. And join the conversation with Mariska on Two Sugars. Welcome. Great to have you company this Wednesday afternoon. I hope you're all fit and well. And if you're not, that you've got someone looking after you. Whatever, wherever. Hey, for you, it's time to take 25. Pour yourself a cuppa, put your feet up and join the conversation. You're with Mariska and Irene listening to Two Sugars on 104.6 Planet FM. Great song. I love Simon and Garfunkel. You know, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. What a great way to start the afternoon. And that's probably what I've felt like for the last two weeks. A bridge Over Troubled Waters because I'm, because Irene, you've been AWOL. You're back. Welcome back. I know. And actually, it's, it's not really that nice. I mean, much as I love being back to see my friends and you and everybody else that I've been missing so much while I've been gone, and I have been. It's amazing how lonely I've been. But... I haven't had any news. I haven't had any television. I literally have had no media. Isn't that and fantastic? I, 
I know. All I do is my book work and then I'm sitting on the beach listening to the and the sound of the waves pounding in my ear and, and I was here last night and I'm going, I can't hear anything. It's dead quiet. It's silent. It's amazing how much those waves make such a racket. But everything, you know, the war, the petrol prices, everything, it was just absolutely horrible. And on top of that, I had mail. <laughs> and I don't normally have mail. Oh, oh was that, what, what was was that mail in brown envelopes? This was mail in very prominently marked with either the police or the NZT on it. I mean, yes, really. I, I was expecting one mail, a new card to arrive from the bank. I've got five hundred and fifty dollars worth of fines. <laughs> Oh, is that in your little camper van? Oh. No, before oh. I left. Before I left. I, as you know, I moved into a new place before I left, and there's all these goddamn blooming, um, you know, radar things around that I didn't know about, number one. But number two, I, I went out and had a look to check. The signposting is really, really bad on um, East Coast Road. And where I thought it was 100, it's only 80. Oops. And, yeah, and there's a speed camera there. And I've got three tickets for the one place. And then there's something about using a lane that I wasn't supposed to use. Now, I'm real a stickler to not use bus lanes and things, you know. So I'm, I've got to check that one out. I've got to check that one out. The others I will wear and I will have to pay, and it means I have to go back to work to pay them. Oh, my God. Not a welcome home. Not uh, a welcome home. Gosh, if I was a yeah, I just would have hightailed it back out there in the camper van and, and ignored everything. But, no, you can't. So you've been speeding. Isn't that interesting? And, and um I know you do, you've got to, they're a bit sneaky sometimes, but they're not allowed to be sneaky with cameras. They have to be out in the open. Um, so if you are, if you do find a sneaky one, you're allowed to complain about that. So they do need to be actually in plain sight. Um, and, and yes, when you move into a new area, that is one of the things, not that we should be condoning this because we shouldn't be speeding anyway, but you're right. When you move <laughs> to a new area, you've got to find those. And you can speed up to it and past it, but not <laughs> not when you go well, past it. Apparently this one, I have to go out tomorrow and check, but my flatmates told me that it's at the top of a hill which has got a double passing lane on it. Um, and it's got this big sign saying that the double passing lane is um, finishing and be careful because it's a high-risk area, and apparently underneath that it's got something saying security camera. So, you know, when you're driving, your eyes will flick at the notice. Oh, yes, I know that notice, you know, so you you don't notice the one underneath saying it's got a security camera. So there you go. And, of course, sometimes at the end of that long stretch of road, you've got... You know, you just bury the boot to get past that last person safely and, hey, you're over the speed limit. That's actually, that's a real grouch. And I'm not sure whether we've grouched on the radio about this before, but it's a real grouch of mine. That because we all know and research says that we all speed up once we get on those passing lanes. That person that was going slow and holding you up 
actually yeah. suddenly speeds up. So yeah. I think like passing lanes, and I'm thinking as you head north out of Auckland, for those of you that have headed north out of Auckland through um, the Dome Valley, you know, they, they've taken that down to 80, that's fine. But, you know, to pass somebody where there's a passing lane, really it should go up to 100 then. So you can actually pass someone safely who's doing 80. So if you're on that passing lane, I think it should be 100. I totally agree. And the other place that I've got caught before until I learnt um, the the rules, the rules of my age, um, was out past Coat School there. And, I mean, that one is actually wide open in this paddock, but it's in the most unlikely place to have a speed camera. So I was aware of that, and so I made sure I slowed right down. But it's only sixty there, and it's out in a in a it's out in a wide open country road, and they're making you slow down to sixty. And there's no rhyme or reason for it. There's no schools. There's no there's no anything. So I got caught with that one a couple of times too. I was dutifully slowing down to eighty. Uh, 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 all of fun, eh, when you're kind of figuring out a new area or when they pop a new one up. Um, yeah, and and also, and, and our listeners out there as well, do you do this? Because I know when I see a um, cop sitting on the side of the road, should I admit this over the airwaves? Yes, I'm going to. I will flash people and let them know that just watch out as you go further up the road. There's a little man sitting there with a camera. Um, do I still do that? I used to always do that and proud of the fact that I did that. Um, I don't do that very much nowadays because I see so many lunatics on the road. I want them to get caught, you know? So it's, it, yeah, yeah. There's probably someone saying about you and your speeding past all of those speeding things. They go, my God, look at that lunatic speeding away. <laughs> I'm trying to be good, and I'm, it's not like I'm doing 150. You know, I'm only doing 80 or 100. It's not like I'm being absolutely crazy, but the, the speed has come. It's because people can't drive, and the speed has come down on the road so badly. You know, and they're saying, okay, well, if we lower the speed limit, it means less people will will die. They'll still get injured when they have the accident, but they won't die. So what are we doing then? We're not training them how to drive, and we're filling our hospitals and our health system up with more injured paraplegic people. Um, I mean, I just don't get the mentality of it. Teach people how to drive, for goodness sake. <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. No, God, goodness me, do we get Irene to go off on holiday for a few weeks, you know, again, so we can get this whole... <laughs> uh, so anyway, so going past that, you went tramping, if I remember correctly. You went tramping and you were going to help do some stuff on the, the tramping track. Did you ever get there? Of course I did. Of course I did. Straight down there. And um, we went to, I picked up my girlfriend from the train station in Featherston. All good. Everything went to plan. She had a bit of a battle to get out of Wellington to get to the train station because that was right when all the um, stupid people were doing their stupid things down in Wellington. Um 
Not that I have anything against dropping the mandates, but those people I had everything against. That was not not good at all. Yeah, with you. Really bad for New Zealand. Um, so then we moved down to Cape Palliser. Great lighthouse. Great walk up to the lighthouse. Um, <clears throat> what can I say? Beautiful little community down there. Oh, I did see. You know how I'm a fishing, farming, uh, fishing, um, diving person. I went to um, this little place. Um, right next to Cape Palliser, and of course, senile dementia. I cannot remember the name right now. It'll come to me later on. But looking at these great big, huge tractors that they have all lined up along the beach there, and that's how they get their boats in the water to go fishing. I mean, I just found that amazing. They've got these huge, great big steel sort of beams that they push these boats. Oh, yeah, incredible. Never seen anything like that. It was like something from a foreign land. Yeah. Actually, I think they I think they once were on country calendar, um, and it was incredible, yeah, um, to see what they had to do to get them out. It, it was really quite fascinating, um, yeah, to see that, yeah. But, like, I know it's all rocky and pebbly and shelly and that, so it's not like the sand that we have up here. So it's a lot harder you can't just drive a trailer down because it bogs down and all the shingle and things like that. Um, but I did wonder if maybe they were being a little bit precious and that they wanted the boats to be put into the water in their little town because you went further down from the town and instead of the steep bank of shingle, there was a flat beach of shingle, you know, and I'm sure it would be easier to put your boat in there. But I'm sure they know far more than me about <laughs> why they're putting their boats and where they're putting them. <laughs> you think it might be something about deeper water or something. Who knows? But you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're the local ones. They will have their rhyme and reason for, for doing that. Yeah. But I must say something about the Kawakawa Station hike because that was just fantastic, you know. 110 for that. Not The actual hike itself, when I compare it to, um, you know, hikes up in Northland where there's a lot of bush or things like that, then, then the actual hike itself I'd give probably an 8 out of 10. But the accommodation the organisation, the food, I'd give a 12 out of 10. I mean, I was very pleasantly stunned at how well they did it. And it's an, only a young family who only took over this farm three years ago. Mm -hmm. So they're still running, I don't know, thousands and thousands of sheep on thousands and thousands of acres. I, I, I can't remember the figures. And they've set up this tourist business um, to subsidise as well. And to also provide um, a income for locals. Mm -hmm. they're, a, they're a beautiful, beautiful family with young children looking at all aspects of life and trying to make a contribution, which, of course, was right up my alley. The old-fashioned, beautiful Kiwi sheep farmer, you know? His name was Ian, and he's a wanders up and wanders over and of course he's got the swanny jacket on and not much else underneath you always wonder whether they've got shorts under those swanny jackets or not <laughs> and and the big boots on and he says hi my name is Ian and you know they talk so slowly and just absolutely gorgeous you talk to this man and 
just the most beautiful person on the planet, you know. And it was so good to see when you live in a city like Auckland, you don't see these people anymore. And it was so good to see him, so good to see that family and everything that they're trying to do, you know. It was great. Food, I mean, you know I'm a chef from hell. The food was amazing. They prepped all the food so that we just had sort of like half an hour to put it together at the end. Like we might have to finish cooking the chicken or or the steak or something, you know. But everything was so well prepped. It was so easy to do. Even a a person with no cooking skills could manage their instructions. It was great, yeah, very good. And it was was probably fresh local food as well. Did they they have their own garden? Yes, yes, they had everything. They're typical farmers. They had their own gardens, they had their own produce, they had all their own beef and lamb was used um, and chicken was used for the hike. Um, I did find out because I could not see how that could be somebody who was not a very experienced chef putting that food together. And the woman who puts it all together has been doing it for years and years and has had some um, experience overseas. And Ian jokingly said she's as hard as nails and I'm scared of her, but, hey, she's brilliant, so I'll take orders from her any day, you know. So, I mean, it was just just lovely. So I can't recommend it enough. It was only $650 for three days, which included three-course dinners every night, um, a choice of breakfast. You could have cereal and eggs and you know, you could have as much or as little as you wanted. And it, and um, we packed our own lunches, but there was beautiful arrangement of food ready for whatever we wanted to do for our lunches. And it was enough to feed, you know, a football team appetite. Way too much for most of us. It was just brilliant. I can't recommend it enough. I know, well, a bit of fresh air and stuff gets you um, eating a little bit more as well. You'll have to put the link up on our Facebook page so that we do that. Just uh, You were talking about the walk not being as good. Is it because it was just a different walk and it was, was it very open? Um, You know, like, uh, you know, um, stations are often quite devoid of trees and everything. So was it just because it was different or... Totally just a preference thing. Me, I'm a seaside and a um, wild bush, um, native bush girl. We had a lot of farmland. We did have bush. Um, we, we had about half the walk one day was all through bush, and then the next day we had a little bit less than that that was through bush. And the bush we did walk through was beautiful. Um, having said that, we're on top of this great big huge hill, 700 metres up, and we're looking right down the coast. So the scenery was absolutely stunningly beautiful, very much like when you do the um, Abel Tasman going round to the west coast and you're looking out over this massive ocean. Very, very beautiful. Um, so really a preference, not a – there'll be other people that will say they far preferred that walk and they'd give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll stick that link up on our Facebook page. So if there's anybody else that, um, you know, does want to go and enjoy a little bit of New Zealand while well, we can, you know, before all the tourists come back, um, yeah, go for it. Absolutely. And the other thing that I would like to say about the walk is they said that the first day it was really hard because you had a 700-metre climb and it was all straight up, um, which it was, and they allowed five hours for it. I'm 71. I did it in two hours. (laughs) 
it wasn't anywhere near as hard as they made it out to be, you know? And everybody in our group, there was a, um, a group of four and another couple and myself and Anna, everybody finished it in three and a half hours, you know? So they're making it, they're making it easier for everybody so it's a bit of of reverse psychology there i think and i think sometimes you're right when you you mentally prepare that you're going to actually be there for a long time and you're going to be going up this huge big hill um then you're right when when you do it in such less it's like whoa that wasn't so bad yeah i know but you see i hadn't done anything as you know for about two months beforehand and it's really important to keep your fitness up to do some of these walks. And I was seriously thinking I might have to pull out because I was so much unfit um, for what I thought I had to be fit for, you know. And as it turned out, piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose they have to cater for the most unfit, though, um, with that. But, all right, that's good. Um, great. Now, we'll stick that link on the um, Facebook page and get that. So, so then it was just off to the beach, was it? Pretty much. From there on, I, so I had to get Anna back onto the train to come home to partner and work, which she um, she said, partner's good, work's not. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, um, thank you, Mike, for lending me Anna for four days. Um, so And then I just wandered up the coast. Now, I once again, I, I stuck to the rural roads, which were 90% gravel, not tar-sealed. It would have only taken me 10 minutes longer to go on the tar-sealed road, which was a few kilometres over, you know, but I decided to stick to the gravel roads, very windy, um, because I just kept meeting these farmers all the time. You know, so one minute there would be a load of sheep in front of me and I'd have to stop and watch these sheep and then there would be a load of cattle in front of me. And the farmers were all so nice and they'd race up on their little RVs and say to me, hang on a minute, we'll get them out of your way for you. And I'd say, no, I want to sit here and watch your dogs working. Those dogs are amazing. I could watch them all day. And... They're just incredible. I mean, the farmers are hardly even whistling or saying anything now. The dogs are just doing it. They just know how to do it. It's just, it's never mind country calendar. I mean, just go for a drive out in the country and see it all happen. It's awesome. They're fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And I don't know whether I'm going to sound like a right nerd here, but I used to absolutely love watching the sheepdog trials because they are so, so clever. And sheep, well, they're little stubborn little things they are. But to watch those trials and how, you're right, how the farmer and the dog work together um, and the dog's being so intuitive of, of what, you know, they're wanting. And I don't think they actually hold them anymore, certainly not nationally anyway. They might do it in the little rural centres. But that used to be quite big, you know, on the TV back in the day. Um, I remember that, honey. That, 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 you know, and you were loads younger than me. So, yeah, I used to enjoy watching the sheep trials too. And, you, I mean, the clever – there was one time where the farmer has got – all the cows are all heading through the great gate, no problem at all. And he's got his big tray at the back of the RV, and so the cows are all doing what they're supposed to be. And without him saying a word, a single... I mean, he was not doing anything. I swear to God, I was watching them like a hawk. He did not do a thing. And all the dogs, one by one, there's about five of them, jump into the tray at the back of the thing. And this last dog that was obviously the leader of the pack 
He's the last one to jump in, and he just suddenly swung around and jumped off again. And I hadn't noticed this cow had just turned its head. And sure enough, he followed by taking off where he was. And that dog had him back in before he'd taken two steps. The farmer did nothing. The dog, oh, just, I can't talk about enough. Right on, Irene. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Well, I think, you know, I mean, we've this is all, all we've got time for today, but I think it's probably inspired many of us actually to to get out there and, and to do, you know, a, a walk like this, to go out on a station. And there are many stations now in New Zealand that have decided to kind of, you know, go into the touristy part as well and put some tracks in, whether it's walking or uh, riding. So great time to support. But you're right, just a great time to get away from all of the media, the stuff, the crap that goes on and just be present in the world. So for you guys, we will put um, the link up on the Facebook page and we'll see you the same time, same place next week for some more tales from Irene and her little jaunt across the North Island. by Delacroix Communication, delacroix.co.nz.